Welcome to WWDD. She has been known for dishing out advice on people's careers for the last 20 years, empowering professionals every day. As one of the top executive recruiters, Depali Vyas has reviewed more than 100,000 resumes and interviewed over 30,000 executives from startups to Fortune 500. She knows what good looks like. Get the inside scoop on what would Depali do to land that next job promotion, ask for that salary increase, or build that rock star resume. Depali is unlocking her network of industry experts and entrepreneurs to help you learn their secrets to success the real way they got it done. Now here's your host of WWDD, Depali Vyas. We are here to build a community empowering professionals every day. Disclaimer, views expressed here are solely that of Depali Vyas. Hello, everyone. I know I took a short hiatus with all the activity happening with the election and the roller coaster of emotions from the pandemic to politics in the last few weeks. So I hope that everyone out there is holding up well. You all know that my mission is to empower professionals every day, and this podcast is one of the ways that I'm doing it. My career has been all about helping professionals activate their leadership quotient. So it's only fitting that my next guest is an expert in leadership and what makes a great super boss. Sydney Finkelstein is an award-winning professor at the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth College and a best-selling author of Super Bosses and 25 other books he's written. He's been writing for the Harvard Business Review, BBC, Fortune, Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, and so much more. He is recognized as a thought leader on leadership, strategy, and corporate governance. Sydney is also the host of his own podcast, The Sidcast. And I had the pleasure of meeting Sydney a few years ago. And in that meeting, I had a complete fangirl moment after reading his book, Super Bosses, because it was one of those books that made me reflect on all the executives that I've interviewed in my career and think about what separated the ones that were good and the ones that were great. What was it about them? What made them so prolific in their industry? So let's talk to Sydney about his research and how he defines super bosses. Sydney, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on today. Oh, it's a treat talking to you, Pilot. I've actually been a super fan ever since I read your <laughs> book, Super Bosses. So what are super bosses? Anyway, so super bosses are, uh, are leaders that uh, really have a track record of generating and regenerating talent on a continual basis. They're people that uh, that help you get better, to see the potential in you often before you see it yourself. They're they're the classic bosses that really are in the business of creating leaders, and so mm -hmm. they're 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 the, they're the core engine in an organization that allows companies, us, any organization, to keep on thriving and surviving into the long term because they're 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 creating this machine of uh, of the talent. Of a talent pipeline. How did you go about the your research to write this best-selling book, Super Bosses? I'm really curious as to what themes and trends were you finding in your own research, and then the making of this particular book. I've been uh, doing work with leaders and on leadership for three decades, mm -hmm. and uh, and I remember talking to CEOs about you know what was what are the biggest challenges that you have, what's keeping you up at night, and I remember these conversations from literally you know, 20 years ago and 10 years ago and you know, and five years ago. And they're always the same answer. Mm -hmm. And the answers were, how, how can I get world-class talent on my team? 
How yeah. can I develop them? How can I make sure that uh, we have the absolute best bench in the business? And I'm thinking, well, they keep identifying the same fundamental core problem to organizational success. And it hasn't changed. But mm. the world of HR, the world of leadership, the world of business has so dramatically changed. Yeah. Everything is fast, fast, fast. Uh, HR as a field has changed dramatically. And so many books and research have been done on leadership. Uh, but yet we're, we're back to first principles. Yeah. People haven't really addressed the most fundamental thing. And I started thinking about it based on other work that I've done. You know, what really differentiates the, the organizations that uh, continue to thrive and uh, uh, over, over the long term? How does that, how does that happen? And yeah. those are the two underlying ideas. You know, we haven't solved arguably the most important problem CEOs have today. We haven't solved it with all the work we've done. We need to start thinking about the world a little bit differently. And secondly, through, through again, earlier work that I've done about failure, a lot of consulting work that I've done, it just kept coming up and I started to see some of these examples of, you know, a leader that, uh, that had this track record. You know, someone like an Alice Waters, somebody like a Ralph Lauren. Right. And I, and I asked the question, you know, you know, how common is this pattern? And if it is common, of course, it turns out to be quite common. If it is common, what, uh, what do they do? What are they doing that's different than everyone else? And the net result is a series of ideas that uh, I ended up calling super bosses, like the super boss playbook and super bosses are doing. And, and many uh, of those ideas are just not standard practice in the world of leadership world of HR, the world of business today. And, and that's what really got me going. And that's what fascinated me about the book itself. You picked very interesting leaders in a lot of different industries. How much time did you spend with them to really get a feel for how they operate and then decipher what is it that they do that's so special? And if you can give us an example or two. Yeah, well, it, it, this was a very, very long project. first got the idea for it 10 years before the book officially came Oh, wow. Out. Now, it's not, it's not like I was working on it for 10 years. Right. I wrote, wrote a couple other books and had a few other things I was doing. Sure. But it kept, it was always, uh, it was always there as one of the core projects that I was thinking of. And the more I got into it, the more I realized this was just really fundamental. And, uh, and so I started interviewing not just uh, these leaders that I called super bosses, but a lot of their protégés. In fact, most of the interviews, and there's over 250, uh, interviews in the project. Most of those interviews were with people that worked for these leaders, worked mm-hmm. for these CEOs, because mm-hmm. they were able to tell me so much about who they were and how they thought, and also answer the question, well, what did you learn from them? And are you doing some of these things yourself, which are really kind of core questions. I ended up doing uh, hours-long interviews with um, not all, but many of the super boss uh, leaders that I profile that are in the book. Uh, mm-hmm. People like uh, Tommy Frisch from Hospital Corporation, mm-hmm. Lauren Michaels from Saturday Night Live. Right. It's pretty interesting to interview him. Uh, you could imagine the guy in charge of all these comedians. He's, yeah, I'm sure. He's pretty, he's pretty, uh, pretty clever and pretty smart. Himself. Yeah. Um, now, Julian Robertson, the hedge fund, uh, hedge fund business. Really, I, I loved uh, reading about really, Julian. I, I just thought it was so interesting, particularly how Julian's style was and 
how much of his protégés have gone on and done really, really great things in the hedge fund world. Uh, in fact, there was an article today about how well Chase Coleman is doing, right? Another tiger cub. So Julian's style was so interesting to read about, right? It wasn't as if he was so motivational, but it was sort of this undercover motivation, I thought. I, I don't know if you saw that a little differently. No, that's, uh, I, think that's, I think that's right. The fact that so many uh, over over decades, really, so many top talents in the hedge fund business came from Julian. Yeah, it's uh, unbelievable. Robert, either people that people that worked for him directly in the first wave, Steve Mandel, mm-hmm. being one of the most famous from Lone Pine. That's right. To people that he ended up funding early on uh, when he went through his Tiger Cub stage, yeah. and that that includes Chase Coleman, who you mentioned and who uh, who I uh, interviewed and profiled in the book as well. The thing about uh, Julian is that he really took it upon himself uh, and understood the power of, of talent. It's funny that we're talking about hedge funds. It doesn't get any more hardcore finance than that. Sure. But he had, a, he had an understanding of people that I think is, uh, is extraordinary. One of his, uh, he had a lot of interesting techniques. So one of his techniques that I thought was really uh, effective was how he would really customize how he worked with each person on, on his team, how he worked with each of the analysts that worked with wasn't a one-size-fits-all, which I, I find there's a there's kind of a knee-jerk reaction to that often among leaders who say, well, I have to be an authentic leader. I have to be true to myself. Therefore, I have to be the same with everyone. And right. how many times, you know, your, your listeners are, are going to think, well, you know, we got a new boss, and what did we spend our time on? All of us are talking about, well, who is this new boss? How does she behave? How does she think? How do we need to change what we're doing? And if you look at the world today and how customer-focused it is, you look at how uh, so much has changed in terms of customization, and you look at that, and then you look at how people uh, people manage, how people lead teams, and we and we we say, you know, this is an area that is that's just fallen far far behind. The idea that that the people that you work for, uh, that they have to completely change how they behave to accommodate you as a leader, which is still a dominant view uh, among many people, to me is one of the most illogical and damaging perspectives that that are around there. I like to say. Imagine what it would be like if we treated our top team members, our top associates, our top employees the same way we treat our, our best customers. Imagine what kind of world that would be like and the loyalty that you get. I am so glad that you said this because I've actually been toying around with the concept of being a sort of executive chameleon and and in a positive way, not to change your personality, but really it's about knowing your audience. So I love that you confirmed Julian is different with, with each person. And I feel like you have to be different with each person you encounter, right? Everybody has a way of communicating with different types of personalities. And as a leader, it's not as if you are conforming, but knowing your audience and being able to be diplomatic and almost chameleon-like in a positive way in order to get the best out of people. Uh, I think that is so fair and and don't want to be that dictator leader, like here's my style conform to me uh, in any given industry. So I think that is amazing that, that you uncovered that because I've been toying around with that concept for a while. Well, also keep in mind that values uh, never change. You have your values, the values you care about, your personal integrity, and, and those are not things that are going to be moving around. We're talking about uh, how to motivate people. We're talking about what next job somebody should get. We're yeah. talking about 
uh, how to how to how to mentor and and just work with any people that that are on your team and how that technique has to and how to talk to them. You know, the thing about uh, communication that I've uh, I've noticed it more and more over over time. It's kind of obvious when once I say it, but so many people don't do it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, what's the point of communication? The, the point of communication is to convey your message so that it gets the intended result you wish that it will get. And if it's not working, if you're doing, if you're talking the same way, communicating the same way with everyone, think about this for families. You, you, you have kids, do we talk exactly the same way to each kid? Well, <laughs> no. if you're lucky, that, that's, that's going to work. But Definitely not. <laughs> uh, and so you want, you, you're trying to accomplish something. Yeah. And what, what is it? And then say, okay, what's the best way to communicate? And that's on us as a leader, on leaders. Yeah. That's not on us to do that. That's not on the listener. Not on the team member, it's not on the kids. It's on it's on the leader, the parent, uh, the, the the manager. No, oh, absolutely. And Sid, you've also said for executives who may not have truly exceptional leadership skills, the prospect is is fairly bleak. And you've written that middle management jobs will disappear. Have you seen that happening already? Well, I haven't formally tracked it in terms of collecting data, so I can't speak to that specifically. But uh, I do think that the middle managers are at risk because there's so much work that can be done because of technology and just the incredible capabilities of the young people. You know, the much maligned millennial class, there, we've never seen a more talented set of capabilities coming into the workforce in, in uh, really, really ever. And so you have, you have that and then you have the endless competitive pressures, global pressures that, uh, that make it tough to have people whose entire job is to make sure that other people are doing their jobs. And that's just not an efficient way to run an organization. Yeah. And so, uh, so I do think that middle managers that are not creating value themselves through the work that they do themselves, I think are going to be, are going to be challenged. Uh, I think that's happening. And I'm sure there's someone who's collecting the data on that right now. You know, I've also heard management could potentially be outsourced. How do you think that would work? Well, Outsourcing is an interesting, uh, interesting thing. You can't outsource things that are proprietary or that are central or that have, let's say, the, that embody the key capabilities of what of what you're doing. Uh, but we're seeing a, a gig economy. We're seeing virtual offices, and in some ways, outsourcing is happening. Uh, is happening right now. Uh, it really depends on the skill sets that you have, and this gets back to what is a leader? Why is leadership? Why is everybody talking about leadership all the time? Why is it so important? Mm-hmm. And it's so important because the the capabilities that are the real differentiators are capabilities that we talked about as kind of central to what leaders do: uh, the ability to work in a team and manage a team, uh, the ability to communicate effectively, the ability to, to motivate uh, other people, the ability to to be creative and generate new ideas. Uh, the ability to constantly be learning. These are core, core capabilities that mm-hmm. cannot be outsourced if you've got them. Yeah. Those are the things that people have to be doubling down on and tripling down on. Uh, and often you have to do it in your spare time because you're doing whatever you're doing. Uh, but there are investments that are critical. And so if you, if, if you are investing in that way in yourself, you're not going to be the one that's being, uh, that's being outsourced. You're going to be the one that's going to be able to continue to create value. And that's where we want to be. That's what really you want to you want to strive at. Do you think leadership can be learned? Well, I wouldn't be in the business I'm in if it wasn't uh, if the answer wasn't affirmative. I think absolutely could be learned. Look, can I make some somebody uh, become a Picasso of uh, leadership? <laughs> no, uh, there people are born with whatever skills we uh, we have. We have our kind of 
bundle of skills and advantages and disadvantages based on how we were brought up, based on our genetic makeup. And, right. You know, that's, you know, nature and nurture. And then the question is, uh, can we go from wherever that level is a little bit higher? And the answer is yes, of course you can. Yeah. Can you go so high that you go through the roof? Uh, rarely, uh, but it's not impossible. But I think we have you know, reasonable expectations. Any one of us can become more, yeah. can become more effective. And I've seen it. I've seen it from the work I've done, from the books I've, I've written. And you know, I teach MBAs and executives for for years. And um, and every now and then I see it there as well. I wanted to have you talk about an example from your super boss's playbook of an exercise you've developed for anyone out there that's looking to be a better leader. Can you just give us a, a snapshot of, of something that could be interesting for, for someone to know as they pick up your book? Well, you know, we talk about customization and there's a specific exercise in the super boss's playbook that teaches you how to become more effective at customizing. And, and the exercise is, 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 it's straightforward, like all oh, I think good exercises are. You identify all the people on your team, and not just on your team, but there should be peers that you that you need to you need to get them to be on board with things you want to accomplish, and and you need to you know you need to know how how to um, get people to do things that are beneficial for you when you don't have any direct authority over them. That's just the way the world works. And so identify them, and then say, okay, who are they? What are they like? What's their background? Um, what do we know about them? And you have to invest a little bit of time to do that. You probably have to. If you don't know them super well, I presumably everyone on your team you do know really well, but you, you have to spend a little bit of time on it. And so you get, you start to develop a bunch of, um, 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 identifiers mm-hmm. on who these people are and how they think. And then say, okay, if I want to accomplish X, Y, and Z, what are some of the specific, um, steps or activities I could do? Should I, uh, for example, is this someone that will respond to my kind of checking in with her? Um, every uh, every three days to see how they're doing. Is this someone that I need to do a deep dive with for, mm-hmm. for a couple of hours on a project? Is this someone that wants to be left alone because that's just, the, they value their autonomy so much and they're going to produce and they're going to come back, do the job, do the assignment in the way that you want. You, you want to think about all of that. And, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with asking or engaging in a conversation with someone about, about that. The other aspect of customization you can do, this one's a bit scarier, uh, but the best managers, the best leaders are doing it is, especially for younger people, and especially for millennials uh, that will not stay anywhere unless they think they're learning, track out their, their short-term career, meaning the next two to five years. Mm-hmm. Where do they want to be? What do they want to do? What's the next job they want? And say, okay, if you want to have, you want to have my job, if, if you want to move off and have kind of this bigger responsibility, well, we know that there are three or four skill sets, capabilities, you probably have to get a little bit better at. Let me set it up so that over the course of the next three or four years, I'm going to give you an opportunity to um, uh, appreciate and gather and generate those capabilities. And imagine you did that for, for people on your team. Imagine the loyalty you're going to get from them. Imagine the appreciation you're going to get. Yeah. And I often say, you know, they might be planning to go to their next job. And you're just helping them get there. Well, I'd say, yeah, that's exactly right. Because if you're not going to help them get there, they're going to leave even sooner. In fact, they may even stay longer because they know that you're, you have their interests at heart and you're helping them um, get, get to a higher level in their own sphere. That's what I'm talking about by customizing. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, you know, oftentimes when I look back, when I was able to let go and not hold on too tight 
it turned out to be so much better because realizing what you're kind of holding on to didn't really need to do that. Right. And to, to let mm-hmm. someone go and flourish uh, and support them, it kind of comes back to you tenfold. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my question is who is your favorite super boss? Do you have one after writing that book? <laughs> uh, well, I, I did uh, profile lots of really fascinating people. And I spent a fair amount of time talking with and writing about Alice Waters, who has uh, a restaurant called Chef Panis Restaurant for decades in That's Berkeley, right. California. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she really is, uh, you know, remember we used to talk about California cuisine mm-hmm. and that was her, it was her concept, uh, farm to table, local sourcing, organic, yeah. um, ingredients, highly, uh, high quality. Uh, ingredients. She's the one that brought that idea to America and helped everywhere in every restaurant. Yeah. And along the way, literally more than 200 people that worked for her went on to stage careers themselves. Uh, because I'm a foodie, because I respect <laughs> so much what she did and continues to do it, yeah. um, uh, decade after decade, she's definitely one of my, one of my favorite. And, there, and, the, and the things that she did, even though it's a different type of industry than, you know, the typical, mm-hmm. uh, Fortune 500 industry, if you will, yeah. the things she did, which we profile, I profile in the book, there are things anybody could do if they want to do them. Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Sid, you are an award-winning professor, a best-selling author, and you also started a podcast. Can you talk to us a little bit about the Sidcast and how it came about? Well, the Sidcast is my latest labor of love. I, uh, <laughs> I find I have these I, like a kind of a conversation we're having now. It's so much, so much fun. It's so interesting. Yeah. And I'm doing, I'm doing that. It's typically an hour long and I have a pretty eclectic set of, of guests. The focus is not only, um, leadership. It's, uh, it, it's really about, it's about life, about yeah. careers. It's, it's about learning. It's trying to answer the question in a way, you know, how does, how does, how does somebody become the person they ended up becoming? And so I'm talking, I've talked to people in the entertainment industry, certainly in, you know, in the food business, traditional leaders and senior executives, a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, academics that are doing really fascinating research on all sorts of topics. I have just, uh, I've loved these conversations and they're chock full of, uh, of insights that I think listeners um, are picking up on and can use in their daily lives, but also can help them think a little bit differently. The thing you discover when you do these podcasts is people are different, everyone's different, but there's so many commonalities in terms of experiences in life. You know, people I talk to, uh, they're, they're crafting their career, many of them. They're not going yeah. through step one, step two. They're trying to figure it out. I, I, I've had, um, and purposely I tried to have um, a significant number of, of women as guests. There's work-life balance, or rather imbalance, comes up a lot. Gender discrimination, I don't think I've talked to a single woman that, that, does, that hasn't come up. Uh, so, you know, if anyone's yeah. thinking, is it real or it's not real? It's uh, real. It, it, it's, uh, it, I don't have to tell you, it's real. Uh, and it's been an education for, for me. It's not that I never thought it was, it was, it was happening, but to hear these examples and, and, and they're not all, or actually very few are kind of the traditional, not traditional, but the Me Too issues. They're everyday things that happen. Like one, one woman I spoke to who's very, very talented, done a lot of entrepreneurial things in her career. She discovered previous job that one of her direct reports was making more than she was. Oh and, wow! Uh, and he, and and the direct report was a he, and she was a she. And she talked to the CEO, and the CEO said, "Oh, I have uh, all kinds of excuses. Fine, we're going to fix it." And she said, "No, uh, this is not the right place for me." Right. Uh, 
Wow. You know, powerful stories like that. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and they're coming out through, through, through the podcast. So I really, uh, I really enjoyed the process, given, given voice to people that, um, are well known in their little, in their circles, but not necessarily in a world famous, yeah. uh, people. Uh, and, and so a lot of learning along the way. It's the making of almost a, a, another book for you, Sydney. <laughs> well, um, we will, we will see, but I'm going to tell you that, um, my learning has been through the roof on, on this. And, yeah. you know, that's kind of the career I chose as an academic. It's all about learning. Of course, it's teaching, but the best way to teach is to learn. And season one, uh, concluded with 50, uh, episodes more than I had realized. Wow. Uh, and season two went, I know I, no one ever told me that, uh, you don't have to do one episode a, a week. Uh, and so I just kept going and I didn't even, uh, I didn't even realize it. Oh, I'm up to 50. Maybe I should take a short break and, <laughs> and then I'm up season two. But, you know, if, uh, over a period of time, I'm going to have, you know, 100, 150, uh, of these episodes. And maybe that will be the basis of uh, a lot of new ideas. You've inspired me. You've always inspired me with all of your writing and followed your career for such a long time. I'm a super fan. And, uh, you know, I appreciate your time today. Is there anything that you want to tell us that you're working on next? Any any little tips? Well, my next projects are uh, this stage of the game, I learned something, hopefully I'm learning something every day. And and it could turn into a new project besides kind of the podcast project. But I'm spending a lot of time helping and mentoring younger uh, colleagues. So I've been very fortunate. All the different things I've had a chance to do over my career, uh, but never been more uh, happy with uh, with the opportunities I'm having and, and experiencing right now. Well, good for you. Well, we are truly, truly thankful for you coming on the show. And I hope everybody tunes into your podcast, The Sidcast, and learns something from you uh, in each and every episode. So thank you. Well, thanks, uh, Pali, and, and best of luck with this podcast. Thank Judging you. from uh, our conversation now, I think it's going to be a big hit. You have great questions and uh, know so much about the topic. You're uh, the best. As well, so I, uh, I, uh, I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Sydney. Do you have a question for the recruiter or want to feature your company on the podcast? Send me a note at wwdpodcast at gmail.com and I might be able to help. Also, if you found any of this advice helpful, I want to hear from you about it. You can tweet me at depoly724 or call and leave me a voicemail at 914-714-5330. I might even play your voicemail on the show. Finally, I would love it if you would please subscribe because it's free and after all, who doesn't love anything free and give me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps people find the show and it means that I can help more people and you know, it just spreads goodness all around. Please stay tuned for a great lineup of guests, including media personalities, rock star doctors, sports stars, amazing entrepreneurs, and more. I'm Deepali Vyas. Thanks for listening.